The True Crime Society podcast contains adult themes and violence and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. If you'd like to skip the intro, please refer to the timestamp listed in the episode description. Thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the True Crime Society podcast with Stephanie and Olivia. It is Thursday, February 22nd, 2020, 2024. I am trying to get most of my moving done this weekend, so I'm very stressed, overwhelmed. My job has been super, super crazy. Of course, like I just can't. It's one of those when it rains, it pours situations. Like everything is just off the walls right now. But mm-hmm. I'm trying to sound pleasant, like I have a personality and <sighs> that I am a happy person. Um, not that I'm unhappy, I'm just exhausted. I feel like it's been a big week in the crime world too. Like there's a lot going on for everyone, it seems at the moment, just in every everything. And it's frustrating for me too, because like I can't keep up. Like mm-hmm. I was saying on the Patreon, I during the day I'm so busy at work because we're doing some big project right now that I'm literally just working nonstop all day as quickly as I can. I don't I don't even have time to like check my phone. I haven't even been on the Instagram. I've totally been slacking, but I don't have a choice. And I have to rely on Olivia to give me any updates because I just have no idea what's going on. <laughs> You'll be back soon. Yeah. I did have one little I was trying to remember things through the week. And again I was like, I should write these down so I don't forget. So that I had some like sillier nicer things to talk about besides how stressed I am but I know I mentioned how I went to the deli and there was a a woman that worked there that I knew from when I was younger and I felt happy about that well things took a turn not at the deli (laughs) there's a a pizza place next door to it and I think they're owned by like the same people and so me and Mike ordered pizza and I was really brave again and I went to go pick it up by myself because he was watching the Rangers game so I was so brave and I went by myself and I was like um hi I'm just picking up an order and it's like this older guy who I don't know he's probably like the boss or something and I said I was picking up an order and he just like stared at me like I was waiting for him to be like oh name phone number whatever he just stared at me and I was like um it's for Mike and he was ah there there you go there you go and immediately I could tell he's just one of those like older guys that likes to bust the chops of younger gals thinking it's silly. But really, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so afraid. <laughs> so then he gets the stuff together and we got like a two liter of Coke Zero, my fave. He was like, do you want cups with that? And I was like, um, yeah, sure. If you have a few, just because I don't know, that's just what I said. He's like, no, we don't have them. I just like to offer them. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm just going to go <laughs> light myself on fire. And I was like, ha-ha. But then he gave me the cups, and then I left. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to think about this all night now that I'm just like a dumb <laughs> idiot in this guy. And it's funny because in my mind, I'm like, wow, that guy probably thought I was so stupid. But it's like he probably never even thought about it again. But all night I was like, oh, my God, remember when that guy asked if I wanted cups? <laughs> uh, so I'm never going back. No, I'm just kidding. No, so yeah, I'll I'll still go back because where I'm moving to is <laughs> kind of pizza? like was it worth it? Yeah, it was good. I mean, I've had better pizza, but it's funny because here where I live now, I live on Main Street and like a busy, popular, trendy town. So there's so many places to go, so many places to walk to. Where I'm 
moving to is like the opposite. So I only have so many options of where I can get food and pizza and things like that. So it is what it is. <laughs> um, did you want to give a brief car update for everyone? So no update. Um, it's funny. I saw a friend last night I haven't seen for a while. And she's like, what's happening with your car? And I said, how do you know? And she goes, I listen to the podcast. Um <laughs> Five and a half weeks now, no update. I tried to call the guy on Wednesday after he said he'd call me Tuesday and he didn't. So I tried to call him Wednesday, he didn't answer. So I sent an email to him basically letting him know that I'd reported the situation to the Department of Fair Trading and the Australian Consumer Commission. Um, <laughs> so like I, I, it's not, he's just a middleman, but I also feel like he's pretty useless and he actually hasn't done anything to expedite the situation, but he isn't the one who can make a decision about anything. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I have done that. Apparently the department of fair trading will get back to me within 15 days, which is three weeks if you go by working days. Um, but yeah, no updates, still got the rental car, still absolutely nothing from my car. He did reply to me though, after I told him that I had reported it and he's like, we, um, I understand your frustrations. We are still waiting for the part, but I, and when I spoke to my cu- cousin, who's the lawyer, she's like, it's not your concern if they're waiting for a part, you, you are not having that car back. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, still ongoing, still nothing. Another week. It's Friday. As I say, every week after today, I won't hear from him for two days. I'm going to Taylor Swift on Monday. So I feel like I'll just forget about it until at least Tuesday and then try and get something to happen. But yeah, yeah. a nightmare. But hopefully maybe by the time this episode comes out, since we record like a week in advance, maybe we'll have good <laughs> news and maybe uh, my life will be less chaotic. So let's hope for our future selves that we are yeah. much, much happier than we are. Not that we're unhappy, but <laughs> in a better spot than we are right now when this comes out. It's been a crazy start to the year. Like I would never, ever have thought this would happen it's our year it's gonna be our year (laughs) like you know things could obviously be worse it's like I've got a car it's just frustrating and annoying and probably illegal as well so (laughs) anyway yeah it's just annoying when there's no progress being made but you also it's totally out of your control yeah and I've had so many people send me nice messages and like send me articles about similar situations and all that so that's been nice but it's shitty too that a lot of people have been in the same position with other types of cars. Like it seems to happen quite a lot, which is bad in itself. Yeah, take them down. Take down the man. <laughs> I was saying to Olivia when we recorded on Patreon that it's getting to the time where she needs to threaten that she has a <laughs> semi-successful podcast and over 100,000 followers on Instagram and we will take down this car company. <laughs> If I added them all up, like even on Facebook and stuff, there's probably over half a million people, a lot of duplicates, I'm sure, but, you know, we don't need to focus on that. <laughs> yeah. Just, just scare them. Just came. They'd be like, we don't care. Yeah, I know. They're like, good for you. They're like, we're literally a massive international <laughs> brand. We don't care. <sighs> but still, they should. Yeah. So not, not another week, another non-update. Before we get into the episode, we're going to hear a word from our sponsor, Dipsy. We use our phones for everything at this point, but do you know that you can use it for some sexy me time? Don't worry, your fantasies are safe with Dipsy. Just don't forget to use your headphones. (laughs) (laughs) I know that sometimes real life can be a lot. You know, we talk about hard topics and sometimes you just need a bit of an escape. You can indulge in a steamy fantasy world filled with hundreds of sexy stories on Dipsy designed to turn you on whatever your fantasy is. Dipsy is an app full of hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. 
They bring scenarios to life with immersive soundscapes and realistic characters, discover stories about second chance romances, adventurous vacation flings, and hot and heavy hookups. New content is released every week, so in between listening to your favorite stories again and again, you can always find something new to explore. They also have soothing sleep stories, wellness sessions, and they have sexy written stories as well that you can read if reading is more your thing. For listeners of our show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash TCS. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to dipsystories.com slash TCS. dipsystories.com slash TCS. Um, so we do have an update on a case that we have been following for a long time. We did do an episode on it, so we'll either... We have linked it recently because the trial is going on for Harmony Montgomery's the case. I know we posted it recently, but if you ever want to hear an older episode, I found if you just type in in whatever platform, True Crime Society and like Harmony, it'll come up pretty easily. So we did an episode on her when this all happened and her father, Adam Montgomery, he was accused of killing her. And there's like some it's just like some pretty awful details of what he did and how he tried to cover it up and it's just a really sad story but he was actually found guilty of second degree murder on thursday which is today our time um he was also found guilty of second degree assault falsifying physical evidence abuse of a corpse and witness tampering jurors deliberated for about seven hours after getting the case on wednesday they asked the judge one question on Thursday about the legal definition of the word recklessly. Um, Adam Montgomery, he wasn't in the courtroom when the verdict was read, which I think is interesting. And I've seen a lot of people commenting that they also think it's interesting because he just chose not to be in the courtroom for the entirety of the trial, which I don't even get why that's a choice. No, such a coward too. Like what a coward thing to do. I agree. Also shouldn't be a choice. If you are on trial for something, you should have to show up in the courtroom. And for the the other time we we're talking about this was like the, there was another case where they didn't have to hear the victim statements. Yeah. I was like, yeah. you should absolutely have to hear the I as the victim, or not specifically like you're the victim, but the family of the victim, I'd be like, no, I want him to hear what I have to say. And like what I want should matter more than what they want. Absolutely. I agree. So yeah, it's best and what he did to Harmony was just like so awful this was definitely ongoing ongoing abuse she was definitely treated terribly and then he like trigger warning not that's overly graphic for a true crime podcast but this is a a little kid we're talking about he basically ended up beating her to death cut up her body carried her body around in a bag that he left in his work cooler Mm. to not get caught with it and then I don't even remember what he did, but got rid of them somehow. Like hid them in a ceiling at one point. Was that yeah. that too? Yeah. So, so he's going to do all these horrible things. And then you're going to be like, oh, I'm not going to be there. Like he should not get the option. He's the scum of the earth. Like I feel like absolutely this was the right verdict. I was a bit worried because they deliberated, like they left on the first day and then came back and found him guilty on the second day. But when they left the first day, I'm like, oh, I, I thought surely there is no way it could go his way. Like I thought he's... It's been, you know, the trial was horrendous. He did horrendous things. Um, so I am very, very glad they came back with that verdict. And I I knew as soon as I saw you posted it on True Crime Society, I think, that the 
the jury was 10 women and two men. Yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, hell yeah. I was like, we're getting justice because these 10 women are not going to be putting up with his shit. I am shocked that his attorney allowed there to be yeah. 10 women. Like, I feel like you can, you know, dip with like discharge jurors if, if they're not. I feel like it is a weird jury pool to allow, basically, 10 women yeah. on, a, on, a, on a case about child abuse and child death. I would have thought the attorney would have preferred it to be a bit more even. You'd think in any case, really, it should be, like, kind of even. Yeah. Not to say that men, like, can't stand up for child abuse and stuff, but I knew that women would, like, feel the rage. So, yeah, a good outcome, obviously, won't change what happened to Harmony, but at least he is getting some justice. Yeah. Because they, they, they never even really found her remains. No, right? they haven't found her. Because that always makes it, like, a little more difficult when they actually don't have the remains or a ton of evidence, but... It's basically because his, was it his wife or his girlfriend, her stepmom turned on him, even though she was there and maybe didn't exactly participate, but kind of just let it happen and never said anything. She turned on him and testified against him for some type of deal. So I guess that's good, but she's also like still a scumbag too. Yeah. Well, now we're going to get into another sad story about a young child so again trigger warning this we're going to be talking about audrey cunningham who if you follow us on instagram or facebook or any social media you've definitely seen us posting about this because it was a pretty big amber alert and there was a lot going on the guy who has been arrested for it was actually commenting on our page defending his innocence which we like didn't even realize right away (laughs) (laughs) it was just like so strange i feel like it happened overnight my time so when i woke up in the morning I'm like what is going on <laughs> yeah and because it was on the page too right not the yeah no, no, in the page because yeah we'll get into what happened but yeah basically he was the last person to be seen with this child and so he has a very long rap sheet and he has a lot of very offensive tattoos like he's a very distinctive looking person <laughs> so, yeah like if you want to envision an absolute dirtbag scumbag trash child abuser he's pretty much exactly what you picture yeah um all right so we'll get into that one yeah mourners are covering this community in a sea of purple 11 year old audrey cunningham's favorite color particularly here at the trinity river where the 11 year old's body was found in the water on tuesday and we now know according to the harris county me little audrey died of homicidal violence including blunt head trauma. I'm truly blessed to have given birth to such an amazing little girl. Even as 11-year-old Audrey Cunningham's mom tries to grieve the loss of her little girl, we caught up with her at this sunset candlelight vigil. You know, hopefully with all of our candles together, uh, it'll be bright enough, you know, maybe she can see it. It clearly isn't easy to understand how a little girl could be taken away so tragically. According to the Harris County Medical Examiner's Office, the 11-year-old died of homicidal violence, including blunt head trauma and the manner of death is homicide. Her life was cut short way too soon, but the way in which we lost her. Audrey Superintendent Dr. Brent Hawkins says there have been a lot of tears and hugs in the hallways here at Creekside Elementary where Audrey was in fifth grade. In fact, she's been here since kindergarten. So Livingston ISD has now formed a scholarship in Audrey's name and honor. With a kid like Audrey, uh, we feel like that school was her safe place 
and she loves school so that it's very befitting that we would have a scholarship that would live on and help other students in their education. Little Audrey was reported missing last week Thursday after investigators say a family friend, Don Stephen McDougall, was supposed to take her to the school bus stop but never did. Audrey Cunningham was an 11-year-old girl and she went missing out of Livingston, Texas. And she was apparently last seen around 7 a.m. on Thursday, February 15th, 2024. So this is a very current one. There's probably still going to be maybe some updates on some things. So if there is in the end, I'll add in a clip. But all the major things have happened, I would say. Yeah. So Audrey's mother is Cassie Matthews and her father is named Justin Cunningham. They both have Facebook profiles. So from what we could gather online, it seems like Cassie, her mother, didn't have custody of Audrey. Audrey lived at a home in Livingston with her father, Joshua. And we believe his mother also lived at the same property, so her grandma, and a man named Don Stephen McDougall. He goes by, even though his first name's Don, he goes by Stephen, so we'll refer to him as Stephen. And he also lived there as well, and he lived on the property uh, in some type of trailer camper thing. Initially, it was people were saying that he was like the dad's roommate, roommate but yeah. I think he lived on the property. I'm assuming they were pretty chummy. Yeah. To an extent, if the dad was going to let this guy bring his daughter to the school bus or. Yeah. Not a ton of info on that relationship. Like, has the dad even really said much? No, the dad hasn't said much. And a lot of people have questioned why the dad was letting this criminal. Yeah disgusting person live on the property but yeah they were friends like I feel like it seems like a small community I know that Stephen knew the mother as well um yeah no I feel like they were just friends and yeah he had lived there for a while too as some background into the area Livingston has a population of around 6,000 people has a crime rate of 68 per 1,000 residents so it has one of the highest crime rates in America compared to all the communities of all sizes so from the smallest towns to the biggest cities it is still one of the worst. Um, your chance of becoming a victim of either a violent crime or property crime there is 1 in 15. And 22% of homes in Livingston live in a poverty. So Cassie, the mother, she seems to have known Stephen before all of this happened. She posted some screenshots online of conversations between them. At 6.46 p.m., so this is the day that Audrey disappeared, he messaged her saying, Hey, have you seen Audrey? I dropped her off at the bus and she didn't get on and hasn't gotten home. And the mom said, no, Stephen, where the fuck is my kid? You can see too in the screenshot that she posted, there's some previous conversation. Like she wrote, she writes in, like we don't know obviously the context, but she wrote, y'all have a good day, man, man. And then he wrote, yes, madam. So like they've been chatting on and off before. It's interesting because it's that same day, right? Because it says three... 52 p.m. He says, yes, ma'am. Mm. And then at 6.46 p.m. He says, hey, have you seen Audrey? There are a whole bunch of messages, which you won't get into in this episode because I don't think it's related to the case, but we have screenshots of them on the blog. Um, but basically they had been definitely chatting earlier that day and in the past. At 6.46 p.m. on Thursday, February 15th, which is almost 12 afters after she was last seen allegedly Stephen sent Cassie a message asking if she'd seen Audrey and that was the one we just read records show that Stephen has a lengthy criminal history that dates back to 2001 
when he was charged with possession of marijuana out of Liberty County. He's hit with an assault of a public servant charge. And then the list goes on from there. In 2003, he was charged with possession of a dangerous drug. 2005, he was arrested in Baytown for evading arrest. 2006, he was charged with possession of a controlled substance and, and theft. In 2007, he was convicted of enticing a minor with intent. 2009, he was charged with unauthorized use of a vehicle. 2010, he was charged for he was charged for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. In 2014, he was charged with theft and reckless driving. 2019, he was charged with aggravated assault causing serious bodily injury. 2020, he was charged with harassment. 2023, he was charged with resisting arrest. So that's a lot. If you Google his name too, like the, I think I counted at least 12 mugshots. Like he's, he was trash. He was a horrible person. Yeah. And this is why people kind of turned on the dad. I don't know a ton about him, but, and I usually, I try to not be super, or I try to give parents like the benefit of the doubt sometimes. I try not to be a super judgy because you just like never know. But this guy, seemed like a bad guy yeah like blatantly so i don't know so obviously there was one charge on there that seems the most relevant was him enticing a minor so in terms of that charge it was 2007 when he was convicted of enticing a, a minor with intent and some info about that that we could find was a man told the deputy that steven quote, got in bed with his niece, who was age 11 at the time, and tried to remove her pants. The deputy wrote he later met with the girl's mother, who reported that her daughter told her Stephen attempted to remove her daughter's pants after getting into bed with her and called the girl his ex-wife's name. Stephen was set to go to trial in June 2008 on the child indecency charge, but in September 2008, court records show that he pled guilty and was given a lesser charge. He was sentenced to two years in prison for that. So from here, Cassie started making posts online about the situation and Stephen. So it's pretty long, but I'm going to read the whole thing because it's relevant and interesting. So she wrote, My daughter was ripped from me by her father and his family a while back, and I've been denied any type of contact in any way, even refusing my rights of visitation with her, with threats to my life from her father and family. I've been stacking up my proof of such in hopes to take her father to court with enough evidence of her being kept for me that the judge couldn't deny me the custody I fight for. Stephen is a stranger. Stephen is a stranger among other random strange men that have been allowed to live in the home of my daughter. Stephen was left in charge of Audrey as her babysitter when her father goes out on the boat to work because her father's mother is heavily mentally unstable and doped out on mental meds 24/7 and cannot care for her or herself. This is all information I've retained from other people around the family. If any, if anyone they allow in their home speaks to me in any way, they're instantly cut off and never allowed to step foot on the property or around any of the family members again. Now, recently, Stephen started to message me about, about Audrey like he wanted to help, to help her see me. Now, recently, Stephen started to message me about Audrey like he wanted to help her see me. I've known the man wasn't right from the jump, but used to get, but used him to get any information I could about my child. Last night, he messaged me trying to convince me to come alone without my fiancé to a park around the corner from my home. 
from my home to meet up with him and see my daughter. He insisted Audrey didn't like my fiance and she doesn't even know him. Red flags are flying high to me at this point, but I play along with the idea in hopes that my daughter, with the idea in hopes to get my daughter in my sight after school so that I could call her father myself to come get her from this man. I was only trying to keep her father from pressing false charges or giving me further backlash or my daughter further backlash for being around me. He talks about all the chaos they put my daughter through at the home, and he isn't the only mouth I've heard these things from. Well, he tells me he's taking her to school this morning and then coming to me with her after school. I realized that wasn't the case, and I message, I guess today isn't going to happen and have a good day while my fiance tried to contact her father. Her father directly due to me being blocked from all ways of communication with him to let him know something wasn't right about Stephen and the whole situation. At 7 p.m., her father's mother goes to my fiance's mother. <laughs> At 7 p.m., her father's mother goes to my fiance's mother's home in the same neighborhood as they live, claiming she's missing and never got off the bus. Her father received a message from the school at 1 today saying she wasn't at school, and he didn't even attempt to contact the bus barn until 5 p.m. They didn't contact law enforcement until after 7 p.m. How did you not notice your 11-year-old daughter hasn't made it home from the bus stop for three to four hours? Stephen said he was taking her to school. Then when she came up missing, he all of a sudden was taking her to the bus stop. Things don't add up. And why did he push so hard to try to get me to meet him alone? I need answers and I need my baby to come home. This man clearly knows what's going on or where my baby is and I know and I know it in the pit of my stomach. Before we go on, this episode is brought to you by IQ Bar. I love IQ Bars. When I got my package, I was so excited to open it up. I've been loving their plant protein bars as a quick breakfast. You know, sometimes if I don't have time before I go to work, I grab one, I grab it to take to work as a snack. My favorite one is the almond butter chip. The other day it got a little tiny bit melty and it was so delicious and decadent like a brownie, but so good for you. I have been loving my products and I'm going to order more today. I really love the the peanut butter bar. I already ate all of them, so I definitely have to get some more. <laughs> I've actually got one of the IQ mixes here today too while we're recording. I've got the lemon lime flavor. It's just so delicious, you know. I, sometimes drinking water is hard and just hard. adding one of these mixes makes it so delicious and I have been drinking so much more water too. So start each day right with IQ bars, brain and body boosting bars, hydration mixes and mushroom coffees. The ultimate sampler pack includes all three. You can get seven IQ bar flavors, four IQ mix flavors and four IQ Joe flavors. And today our listeners get an exclusive offer of 20% off plus free shipping. Just text CRIME to 64000. The Ultimate Sampler Pack is a great way to try all IQ Bar products and flavors. That's what I'm pretty sure that's what we sampled as well. So there's yeah. all different things. They were really great. All IQ Bar products are entirely free from gluten, dairy, soy, GMOs, and artificial sweeteners. IQ Bar makes the number one brain and body nutrition bar, hydration mix, and instant coffee in the U.S. Over 10,000 five-star reviews and counting. Refuel smarter with IQ Bar's Ultimate Sampler Pack. That's seven IQ Bars, four IQ Mix Sticks and four IQ Joe sticks. And now our special podcast listeners get 20% off all IQ Bar products, plus you get free shipping. To get your 20% off, just text CRIME to 64000. Get your discount. Text CRIME to 64000. That's CRIME to 64000. Message and data rates may apply. See terms for details. So that is a lot. That 
Yeah. There are comments online too that the mother had lost custody of Audrey because she had a drug problem at one point. And I believe that she also had two other children that passed away. Um, I'm not sure how, but it seems like it was a very broken home that she was coming from. Yeah. The search for Audrey Cunningham is on pause for the night. Investigators spent several hours at Lake Livingston today following leads. As we learned, a specialized FBI team is now involved. And tonight, for the first time, Audrey's mother talked to our cameras, sharing an emotional plea to bring her daughter home. There's not words for it. There's not one feeling you feel is a roller coaster. The roller coaster of emotion started Thursday night for Cassie Matthews. Her 11 year old daughter, Audrey Cunningham, didn't return home after school, never even made it on the bus that morning. This is the stuff that you see on TV and you wonder, uh, you can only imagine what uh, the, the family and the parents are going through. Last seen near her home around 7 a.m. Thursday. Investigators say family reported her missing around 5.30 p.m. Livingston ISD tells us they let Cunningham's family know she wasn't in class. Friday, the search brought investigators to Lake Livingston, where they used boats, drones, and dogs. This is a location of interest. We are bringing in divers um, as well. Again, this is all an effort to uh, uncover additional leads. The Texas Rangers, along with Polk and San Jacinto County Sheriff's offices, now getting help from the FBI, including a specialized child abduction rapid deployment team. Those teams, according to the FBI, have a proven track record in crimes against children investigations, especially cases where a child has been abducted by someone other than a family member. Is it the belief that she was abducted? Um, I know that that, that term um, implies that. Um, we're not drawing any conclusions right now. Investigators say they have persons of interest but are keeping many details private. I feel like I can't do anything because I know nothing. The family, desperate to find Audrey, who's known to love animals and make others laugh. She has so many opportunities ahead of her and she deserves every right to be able <laughs> to reach those opportunities. Until she's back home safe, Matthews won't give up. Right now, I, I'm empty. Then I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the same unless my baby is returned to me. Investigators tell us they have other locations of interest as well, but we don't know where those are. We know that they do plan to be back here at Lake Livingston tomorrow morning, and any tips should be called in to the Polk County Sheriff's Office. So when the Amber Alert for Audrey came out, we made a post on our Facebook page, just said Audrey Cunningham, 11, has been missing for almost 17 hours at the time of posting. She was allegedly dropped at the bus stop for school this morning at 7 a.m. in Livingston, Texas. She never made it to school. According to online comments, Audrey was allegedly dropped off by her father's roommate, Don Stephen McDougall. McDougall has a large rap sheet for unrelated charges. As I mentioned earlier, Stephen must have come across this post somehow, just Googling maybe, and he was making some comments in the post. He was replying to people. So he was saying, like he was tagging people and responding to them. He said, I am the one that went and knocked on the houses by the bus stop to get video footage. Another kind of said, I have gave the cops my phone and they have checked the places I was. He said to someone else, get off the gas and help find her. He also said that must have been talking about people must have been talking about if the mother had custody or not. And Stephen replied and said, no, the mother doesn't have custody because she let Audrey get get into her drugs and she OD'd. He replied to someone else and said, 
he's, he's just commenting a lot on a rampage. So he commented to someone else and said, I've done everything I can to help find her. I've done nothing wrong. And then he also said to someone, I definitely didn't hurt that baby. Anyone that knows me knows I didn't. And my whereabouts was right there knocking on doors, trying to find video footage. Yes, of course, I got took to the station and questioned all night. And I was let go because I didn't do anything but what I do on a regular basis. No punctuation, if you were wondering. <laughs> um, so he also reiterated multiple times about the type of car that he drove. He has at least two comments from these screenshots that we have. I drive a blue Suburban. So that'll be re- relevant later, of course. Yeah. So Cassie spoke to the media on Friday, February 16th. She said, we would like to have her come home. It's not like her to run off or disappear. She has a lot of loving family. She has so many people that love and adore her. She also said at that point they had no leads on what had happened. She said, we are grasping at any string, any signs, anything in general. Um, She spoke about how they had searched the woods for Audrey. She said, search beginning the wood line behind her home because it leads to the state park. And she likes to explore the woods and she likes to look at the little animals. Cassie also spoke about how Audrey used to get, well, usually got to the bus stop. She said that neighbors told police they usually saw her working to the bus stop with a dog, but they didn't see her on the day that she vanished. Uh, One thing I was curious about was, like, did he take her to the bus stop frequently? Was was this like a one-time thing? And especially if she walked to the dog. Like, I feel like I have read he did, he was something that he did occasionally, but. Maybe like if um, it was rainy or bad weather or cold. So Cassie said she was allegedly dropped off at a bus stop and later on we come to learn that she never even made it on the bus. So late on Friday, February 16th and into the morning of the 17th, Stephen was arrested and taken into custody. He was arrested on unrelated aggravated assault with a deadly weapon charges. I wonder if that's an old charge. Like have they said that It was either? from August, I believe, last uh, year. Yeah, so it was an older charge, but I feel like they just wanted to hold him yeah, while definitely. they got everything else lined up. So later on the 17th, police confirmed that Stephen was being looked at as a person of interest in the case, and they also confirmed that a blue Chevy Suburban was a vehicle of interest. Oh, jeez. So yeah, so here, you know, I just, what a dumb criminal <laughs> to be yeah. online talking about the car, you know, confirming the car, and just, it's just stupid. He's clearly just like a moron. So there's a post from the Texas DPS and it says update on the search for Audrey Cunningham investigators believe the 2003 dark blue Chevy Suburban pictured so there is an actual photo of it is a vehicle of interest in the search for the 11 year old Polk County residents so police gave a press conference that day um Lieutenant Craig Cummings told reporters, we are hopeful that we can bring Audrey home alive and that's absolutely what we are working for right now. Everybody is committed. They realise Audrey was loved by so many folks and that's the driving force for us to get answers and bring her home. So Cassie spoke to um, the news that day and she said they did, searchers had found a backpack near the Lake Livingston Dam but there was no sign of Audrey. So that backpack was confirmed to belong to Audrey the following day, Saturday, February 18. And police confirmed that there was information at the time that they were holding back in order to preserve the integrity of the case. Lieutenant Cummings again spoke and said there's additional information out there, we're just not releasing it. And that's what the investigators are using to follow up on. So Texas EquiSearch joined the search for Audrey on that day. On February 19th, police held another press conference for the case. One of our True Crime Society members, Stacey, did some great summaries on the press conferences that were held, and this is information from her. Police asked for any additional video from the time that Audrey disappeared. They were asking for footage from 6.30 to 8 a.m. 
they increased the reward to $10,000 on that day. They said that they had given Stephen opportunities to cooperate and were hopeful that he would. He wasn't, they confirmed that he wasn't required to register as a sex offender after that enticement charge that we mentioned earlier, which is ridiculous. Yeah, I feel like even if you get a lesser charge, you should still have to register or like Absolutely. be in some type of system to be like, yeah. hey, this guy uh, did try to take off a child's pants in a bed. Yeah. And he was convicted of, you know, something relating to that. So yeah, they did confirm too that Stephen was living in a camper behind Audrey's home. They be- So they believed he was the last person to see her and that he did drop her occasionally to the bus stop or to school. They said he had not confessed. Um they said they feel that she went missing at around 6.45 a.m. And they said they, they were hopeful at this point that there was a chance she still could be alive. They said that Stephen at that point was the main person of interest and he wouldn't they wouldn't share the locations that he had shared with them. They've, they said that they had searched the home and the camper at that stage and that the family were cooperating. So on February 20th, the following day, Audrey's remains were found in the Trinity River. Police gave a press conference that afternoon. Again, Stacey gave these notes to us. They said that her body was located in the river under US Highway 59 and that the Amber Alert would be cancelled. The river water levels lowered, which helped divers locate areas of interest because I did read there was a lot of rain in the area, so the rivers were higher than usual when she went missing. Mm. They said that based on evidence, an arrest warrant was being prepared for capital murder for Stephen in the death of Audrey and that he was still in jail on the unrelated assault charge. They took Audrey's remains for an autopsy and they found her via cell phone and video evidence and information from Stephen. They also said there was substantial evidence linking Stephen to locations and her body. They wouldn't release any information on the condition of the body when she was found Um, and they said that that was the location that Stephen was at on the day she disappeared. They said her body wasn't visible to the naked eye and they said that there was no evidence to show that she was held anywhere else. The reporter asked if she was weighed down and they wouldn't confirm or deny at that stage. At this time, I sadly announced that Audrey's body was located at the Trinity River on the U.S. Highway 59. My heart aches with this news, and I express with my deepest sympathies and condolences to everyone who knew, who cared for, and loved Audrey. Based on all of the evidence that law enforcement has collected, they are in the process of preparing the appropriate arrest warrants for Don Stephen McDougal. At this time, we believe the appropriate arrest warrant is going to be for capital murder in the death of Audrey Cunningham. He is currently still in jail under an unrelated felony charge here. Will you be seeking the death penalty? Until we get all of the evidence and all the autopsy reports, we're going to have to hold and work with law enforcement to determine what is the best solution to this case. If the evidence supports that, that is something that we're going to look into. But the following day, February 21th, there was some court documents released and we found out a little bit more. It says basically it goes into how Stephen was meant to take her to the bus. They found her body, goes in that he was living in a camper on the property and that the cell phone, they found the location through cell phone data. So we learned a little bit more too about how Audrey's body was found. It says, Affiant shall further show that upon recovery of the child victim's body, law enforcement discovered a large rock tied to the child victim's body. The rope used was consistent with rope that was observed in McDougall's vehicle on a traffic stop two days prior. 
Affiant shall further show that through investigation there is sufficient evidence to show that on the date of February 15th, 2024, Don Stephen McDougall committed the offence of capital murder. It seems like he really was confident he was going to get away with it because he weighed down her body and I feel like that's why he was trying to play up so much that he was the good guy and he was just out there searching because he really thought that he did it. Such a loser. Mm-hmm. So today, Audrey has appeared on the Harris County Medical Examiner website. So her cause of death is listed on there as homicide. So that's her manner of death. And the primary cause of death is homicidal violence with blunt head trauma. So basically, he beat her around the head, it seems, mm. which would have been a horrifically, hopefully, one blow and she was unconscious because it would have been a painful and horrific way to die. Yeah, it's really awful and just like rage inducing. It seems like this could have been avoided. I don't know, cases like this always just make me realize kind of how broken certain systems are. Like I was saying with the custody and how we were just talking about, even though he had crimes against children, he wasn't really in any sort of registry. Just seems like the world can do better with things like this. What do you think he wanted with the mom? Like, why was he like, oh, let's meet up and I'll give you I wonder, Audrey? Yeah. I haven't really ever thought plan? about that aspect of it. I wonder if he wanted to get with the mom. Like, maybe this was set up. Maybe when yeah. she didn't, maybe when she didn't, you know, she denied him, maybe that pissed him off and that's why he did what he did. I feel like we've had a lot of questions asking if Audrey was sexually assaulted, which we don't know yet. Um Sadly, I wouldn't be surprised if she was based on this creep. But um, maybe, like, I don't know, I guess a lot of that might lead to more of a motive to why he did Or at least I would say it was definitely at least sexually motivated, whether she fought him and that's what resulted in her death. We don't know any of that yet, like you were just saying. But I would say based off of his past that that was part of the motivation. I, yeah, I wonder what the motivation is with with contacting Audrey's mother if, you know, I would like to know. I don't know if we'll ever find out any more about what his real intentions were, but it is interesting to think about. It just makes you wonder how long had, like, did he have this plan already? Was he already planning on doing something? Or like you said, was it his original plan didn't work out? It seems to me, and obviously I'm just going off the limited information we have about the cause of death, but it sounds like it was, to me, I think this was a rage killing. I don't think it was premeditated. I feel like he got mad about something and basically beat her to death. Yeah. My my thought was he probably tried to assault her in some way and she tried to uh, defend herself. She had such a sad life, this poor kid, like a broken family, family with a lot of issues to grow up around, living the, around this jerk, and then to die like that, it's just horrific. And if the, what the mom was saying was true, which obviously take with a grain of salt because it's just her side of the story, but she said, made it seem like there was apparently always strange men around. The grandmother was on mental health medication and was always drugged out and acting crazy. So it seems like Audrey could have really had a traumatic, chaotic life. Yeah, I just, yeah, some kids just have to endure so much and Audrey definitely did. Yeah, for sure. 
So as we mentioned earlier, when Stephen was commenting on our Facebook, this was picked up by some news agencies. There's an article from CNN that talks about it. I'll just read an excerpt. It says, McDougall apparently took to social media last week to state his innocence. A comment of I'm not guilty from a Facebook account appearing to belong to McDougall was was added under a post on the Facebook page True Crime Society the day after Audrey was reported missing. And then they go into what he wrote. You know, I was there. I was questioned. I'm not running or hiding. I have done everything I can to help find her. I've done nothing wrong, which is clearly not the case now. Likely Mm -hmm. not the case anyway. Um, We had a few questions about if this was the first time a murderer has ever interacted in our groups and Facebook page, and it's not. I don't know if you remember. Do you remember? I think her name was Lisa Snyder. She was the mother who killed her two kids with the dog leash in the basement. She was in the group for a little while. And I think, um, yeah, there's been a few instances, but I feel like this is definitely the most that a, a it's the most a, like high profile one. And anyways. the most that a criminal has ever interacted. Sometimes they'll just be in there and not do anything, but they I don't think I can remember one where anyone has commented as much as he did. Or at least where you know it was definitely them. There's definitely been times in the past where we're yeah. like, do you think that this is them under yeah. like a fake profile? And even like I wasn't in our group, but even in the Moscow murder, having yeah, that Papa. That yeah. Um, Rogers. Papa, I was going to say Papa Roach. I'm like, that's not I was going to say Papa Roach too. <laughs> Papa Rogers, but um, yeah, so it is like it is, it's wild that he was just out there saying, I didn't do this, I didn't do this everywhere on Facebook. And then he probably did do it. I don't think he was a very educated person. No. Judging by his crimes and his behaviors, I don't, I don't think we mentioned either that he has like swastika tattoos. Just. I just spoke about how offensive his tattoos. And there are rumors too that he was connected to the Aryan Brotherhood. Um, yeah, which I wouldn't like, be surprised. Yeah. No. Just an all around loser, someone you don't want to be near or associated with. Yeah. That, it was a real failure of a lot of people to allow him around children. Um, and a lot of people have said that they are shocked that her father and his mother haven't been charged either, like maybe with child endangerment or something like that. But. You know, I guess essentially this guy wasn't a sex offender. He wasn't required to register, which is a failure on the behalf of law enforcement. Um, but yeah, just everyone failed him. It sounds, I think we've talked about it before, where I think he does just looking at him, you should be suspicious of him with his tattoos. Again, not saying anything's wrong with tattoos, but you have swastika tattoos and just the way he appears. But we've said in the past how, not every parent is Googling every other person in the world to see if they have charges against them. So, I mean, realistically, maybe the dad didn't know because it's like you'd have to go searching for that information, especially yeah. if he's not a sex offender. But again, it just goes to show that you really have to be very vigilant with looking up people that you're going to allow to be around you or your kid or people you date because you just you never really know and sometimes it's hard to find that information like not every state is such an open book with what's out there or not every arrest gets picked up by the news or the media so then it's harder to find these things definitely so that's really it for audrey's case right now if there's any other updates i'll put in a clip here but seems like that is the bulk of the story I've tried to find when he will be due in court yet, and I actually can't find it. Like usually at the end of some articles, they'll be like, you know, he'll appear in court on this date. I I don't know if it's been set yet or, mm. you know, but 
I'm assuming things will start happening in the legal process soon. But And the only other thing I think we will find out is more about her cause of death and if there was any abuse prior to her death. Um, yeah. So when we do hear about that, we will let you know. Yeah. Um, so this case did remind us. A lot of people, I think, yeah. Yeah, a lot of people of the Charlotte Cena case. That was the one that happened in September last year that I think I talked about a lot because I was actually like upstate Local. in upstate New York at the time and kind of close to where she went missing. So I got the Amber Alert on my phone and I was following that one pretty closely. Um, and she also did look a little similar to Audrey in the sense that they were both little young blonde yeah. girls. There's been an update with that case. Do you want to go into it yeah, since it's still it. your yep. part? So the uh, the case was due to go to trial, I believe, in April this year. So he, the man who abducted her was Craig Ross. So he he had pled not, gu- not guilty. The trial was going to happen in April, but thankfully he changed his mind and he pled guilty this week. He pled guilty to two felony counts of first-degree kidnapping and predatory sexual assault against a child, and he will serve 47 years to life in prison. The Saratoga County District Attorney Karen Hagan told reporters he'll be 93 years old when he's even eligible to talk about parole consideration. So that is, I feel like, a fantastic outcome in that case. The family don't have to endure the trial. Um, he gets justice, you know, like they get justice. He will never likely be out of jail. Yeah, and just goes to show because it just makes you think how everyone essentially knows what happened to poor Charlotte that she was sexually assaulted. I just couldn't even imagine growing up and knowing everyone knowing that about you essentially or feeling like everyone knows that about you. Yeah. So just even though she was found alive, obviously this is something that's going to affect her for the rest of her life, have a lot of trauma from, probably have a hard time trusting people. Even when these kids are found alive, it's still has such a huge negative impact on their life potentially and sure some overcome it like elizabeth smart basically made a platform out of it and she's done a lot of great things but even with her i'm still it took her a long long time to get to the place that she is in now i was just reading an article about charlotte's case and that basically if it had gone to trial she may have been forced to testify which that would have been just i can't even imagine as a family as a mother seeing your child have to go through that so this is that is really the best outcome in this case for him to have pled guilty yeah definitely so in terms of Audrey's case we do have the blog which was done in real time as things happen so you can go on there and you can look at the text messages between Stephen and the mother you know this the post that he made online it's on the blog at true crime society blog if you want to check it out mm-hmm and this, I don't know, if you follow us on Instagram, you might have seen that we posted to our story also kind of just saying, because a lot of people, when there's a big Amber Alert type case like this, or even just any cases that kind of get higher profile, more media attention, we get a lot of messages being like, why don't you post about this case? Why don't you post about this case? What about this kid? What about this kid? This kid gets no attention. So we just kind of posted saying how, for one, we're only two people who run this account of a lot of people it is a very active account and we live in opposite time zones obviously so a lot of time only one of us is online actively at a time and like i said i've just been super busy i haven't even been able to be online that much so a lot of it really just comes down to that and just 
it being a very busy page. And obviously, we can't actively follow literally every single case going on and every single update going on with it. That's why it's great when you guys send us cases. It, it makes it so much easier for us to just post them right away, have the information, take it right from the messages, post it. So if you guys keep doing that, that is great. And we love that. Thank you so much. But we were looking into some of the other cases that were sent to us. And we are going to do an episode sometime soon with some other Amber Alert type cases or missing kid cases that because sometimes they just don't have a lot of information, but there are still ones that have a decent amount of information that just don't get the coverage that some do. So we are definitely planning on doing that as well. We would love to be able to talk about every case and post every case ever, but I think it'd be physically impossible. So (laughs) we're doing the best we can. So if there's any out there that you think have enough information to at least be part of an episode, send them our way and we will do our best to cover as many as we can. Definitely. I just hate when people think we do something out of like maliciousness or bias or like, why don't you Mm. care about this kid? Because that's definitely not the case. It's just more of a, we can only do so much as two people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So send us over any that come to your mind. Um, But that is it for this episode. Like Olivia said, we have the blog with all the screenshots and everything at truecrimesocietyblog.com. And make sure you follow us on Instagram. That's where we post kind of like the most updates quickly to our stories throughout the day. We're True Crime Society on there. And if you want to follow our personal accounts, mine is StephSum underscore. Olivia's is TCS Olivia. You can see what we're up to. And we are on Patreon. So if you want more content from us, we do all the episodes ad-free on there. We also do weekly bonus episodes as well, um, usually for... It's cool because we do the weekly bonus episodes and I put them out right away. So we're able to cover more current cases that don't have a ton of information out yet. So because those episodes are usually 30 to 40 minutes long, so it's less time to fill. So we're able to talk about like the ones that are happening right now that everyone's talking about. Like we were just talking about um, this case that seems like it's going to be it's going to be a big one, I think. Yes. Yeah, so we, we just recorded a Patreon episode on a case that's only come to light yesterday, so literally less than 24 hours ago, and it's about two men in Sydney, Australia. One is a was a TV presenter and his partner, and basically blood was found at their house, all their belongings have been dumped in a bin, and um, they're now looking for a third man who is maybe stalking one of the men as well. Like it's, it's, it's confusing, but basically three men are missing and they believe maybe one of the men who is also a police officer is responsible for the disappearance and I suspect likely deaths of these other two. So a very interesting yeah. case. So there might be an update on that one also by the time this episode comes out, but just to, just to say that we try to do more current ones on there as well. Um, and we have some fun chats on Patreon, so check us out there. And all the usual stuff, leave us nice reviews, comments, share the podcast, share to your Instagram stories, all those things. They're a big help to us. And that is really it. So thank you guys for listening. Stay safe out there. Peace out. See ya.